Welcome everybody to the third episode of Shown the Door, a very special episode. We have a special guest, Spencer Jones, here today. Um, we are the official podcast of losing our intramural game 24 to 2. And, um, you know, we, we normally post on Thursdays, but we had a very special occasion because we'll have our actual first interview for today. So welcome to the show, Spencer Jones. Well, thanks for having me. You have a good time. It's, it's an honor to have Spencer <laughs> Jones on the pod. But, um, you know, let's start off with, I guess, the biggest moment of what I, you know, my limited knowledge of you, but your biggest moment of your career, which was that Stanford game, right? Right. Yeah. And the, um, I think it was, I guess that technically was the semis for the uh, College yeah, World Series. Because that NC State stuff that happened. So take us through that moment real quick. So... I knew that I was going to get an opportunity to play at some point that day. I didn't know when it was going to come, but I knew um, based on how the game was going late in the game, they were going to give me a shot off the bench in some capacity. But I mean, I was just hanging out. There was like one out in the ninth inning and I get a tap on the shoulder like, hey, Spencer on deck. I was like, oh, all right, like, let's do this. And in that moment, like there wasn't fear or anything. It was more like you appreciate those feelings of like, uneasiness in the moment because you realize that's the most fun part of playing the sport is like that's why you're there that's what all the work is for and so like I'm sure if you see a clip like I don't really warm up like I'm I'm ready to go like yeah. the second that he tells me I'm in like I'm in like yeah, I'm there yeah. I take one warm-up swing I'm like oh I feel good like let's go do this and so stepping in the box just clear mind I was like I'm just gonna hit his fastball because that's what he was beating a lot of guys with I knew his breaking ball was good I was just trying to eliminate that pitch and just not swing at it but um yeah first couple pitches he was throwing hard i remember seeing the first pitch like oh wow like he's he's really throwing it and then um next one came by one one count threw me another fastball i hit it in the hole shortstop made a good play but uh we were able to go first to third on it and then enrique did a great job squaring up that breaking ball and so i go first to third and um I, I always tell people this, but nobody believes me as I get to third base. Corbs looks at me in the eyes and he's like, hey, heads up pass ball here. I think he's going to throw a breaking ball. I think he's going to throw it in the dirt. So just be ready to score. Sure That's enough. Crazy. Next pitch. Air mails it. I go running into home plate. Biggest moment of my life so far. So. Yeah, that was on Beck, right? Um, um, yeah. He was, he was kind of dealing for like a couple innings there at the end of that Stanford game. I remember um, – I think we actually had two outs by the time Javi got up there and got the walk. Two outs? Yeah, yeah. it was it was then you were I think then you would have been I guess Javi would have been, but then you would have been that like twenty seventh out. And then you know, obviously you had that great base hit. And then they I think they had an error on throwing that got to Javi to third, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh that was I mean a crazy moment obviously for Vanderbilt baseball as a whole. Like it was incredible. I watched it uh, from home and I was going crazy. But um I guess what were like the emotions like when you when you got on first base and like you realized that you had you know continued this rally I guess towards winning eventually winning that Stanford game? Yeah, I knew that there was still work that had to be done. I mean, we still had to plate Javi in some way, and the fact that Enrique hit first pitch, there wasn't really much time to think about it. It was more like I got on first base. First base coach was like, "All right, good job. Just be heads up here trying to get to third base." And then, you know, not much time in between when Enrique gets that hit. So. Yeah. It's you're up there, you're ready to go. No time mm -hmm. for emotions, really. So I guess next would be you get to third. Corb says that to you. 
what are you thinking in that moment of he's like i'm feeling that you're coming home what are you thinking right there i was thinking the same thing i mean i was in the moment i was gonna look for any opportunity to score that last run um whether it be on a pass ball or an infield ground ball like i was going to score mm-hmm. so yeah that's what's up you come you see the pitch going high and just instinct you go home immediately mm-hmm. you're there you hit the plate what's it like to get it done for your team like that what does it feel like it's hard to explain that moment because it's like you know you're there you experience it and then in the moment you don't really you know understand the gravity of what happened and like the situation it wasn't until like a couple days later i was like oh my god that was actually a really cool moment what, yeah. what happened there but um, for me, it was more like I was running to the plate and I was like, just make sure you step on home. You know, mm. you didn't, I didn't want to be that guy who just misses home plate and goes to celebrate and gets tagged out. But yeah, I mean, the second I saw that pitch sail and tip the catcher's glove, I knew that that was my opportunity to go. Yeah, so you're gone. That's what I'm talking about. That's one half of an opportunity to seize. And that's something we've talked about is seizing opportunities, Chris. Um, when I think if I remember correctly, everybody kind of came out and mobbed you after you step on home plate which is you know what happens how was that like just having everybody come out and mob you as you you know essentially you've scored the winning run i mean it was just a celebration of everybody i feel like you know a lot of things happened in that game a lot of clutch hits guys came out of the bullpen and pitched well so i guess that final moment of everybody around me was really just a group celebration of you know what we went through that night and finally reaching that point of victory was you know gratifying for everybody yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess we can move so you, uh, to more of like your earlier baseball career. So you came out of high school and you were actually drafted, right? Mm-hmm. And what made you choose Vanderbilt? So for me, I was hurt going into my freshman season. I broke my elbow after my uh, or during my senior year of high school. And so like I had, you know, some draft hopes as every prospect does. But I kind of realized in the grand scheme of things, it was like, that made me really like realize like you know your body's fragile you have to take care of your body the importance of it and i knew that at vanderbilt they were gonna have a good routine for me um in taking care of my body lifting consistently you know getting school done on top of that and setting myself up for more than just a baseball career because i had a lot of friends who went into baseball you know you know kind of fizzled out and then they don't really have much else to fall back on so i mean part of it was having the backup plan part of it was you know wanting to compete in the sec um, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. My family, I would have been like the first one in like two generations not to go to college. And so my mom was like, you're going to go to college. It's yeah. like, I yeah. mean, I can't argue with mom, right? Uh-huh. So yeah, here I am. That's what's up. So when you signed your commitment, were you thinking before any injuries or anything, were you thinking you're going to pitch at Vanderbilt? Um, I hoped of actually pitching and hitting. So I always, I was always a better hitter than I was a pitcher. Mm-hmm. I just kind of picked up pitching in like the last year before I went to school. I was like, well, let's see where these can take me. And then, um, you know, pitching had you know other plans for me. Kind of got banged up a little bit, and then that kind of just made it more clear that I'm just a hitter in this moment. For yeah, right exactly. Now. Yeah, because you're two-way player of the year, 2018, and then coming in now just all hitting. Um, I guess, kind of, what's it like to have that idea of you know I'd like to pitch, and then now you got to focus. It's all hitting now. Right. So for me, it was like in high school early on, it was like I was just a hitter. Like all I would do was hit. And it wasn't until the end of high school that I started pitching. And I felt it kind of take away from my hitting a little bit. I wasn't really balancing the two of them as well as I could have, but I knew I could. You know, mm-hmm. I knew I could do both. And, um, you know, once I got hurt and I was like, 
you know, I was like, why am I pitching? I've only been pitching for a little bit. Um, like, let's just focus on hitting because I like playing every day. And that's what I'm used to is just, you know, consistent routines as far as um, hitting and, you know, not really up. To, I don't really want to be one of those guys who sits in the bullpen. It's like, when yeah. am I going to play? I'd rather just have the idea that I'm playing every single day mm -hmm. just to stay in routine. Yeah. That's what's up. Uh, Chris? So I guess um, now or moving closer to now, you're, I think you're listed as a utility player on the roster. Uh, like, w what position is, like, your favorite to play? Uh, I like to call myself a baseball player. So, okay. I mean, like, it doesn't really matter what position I play. I can play, you know, right field, left field, center field, first base. I mean, shortstop if they let me, you know. Like, <laughs> whatever they want me to do, wherever they want me to play, it doesn't really matter to me as, at the end of the day as long as I'm playing, as yeah. long as I'm on the field, contributing in some way, and... So I, I like being a utility player. You know, it's one of those things where it's, you know, not as limiting as being, you know, just like a third baseman or just a right fielder. It's one of those things where it's like you can, you know, do just whatever you want. That's kind of how I like playing. Yeah, but you don't have, like, a preference for, like, one position. If you had to pick one, what would it be? I feel like center field, but, I, I mean, <laughs> I played center field this summer, and I like running around and um, – feeling in control in the outfield. I mean, I just like all outfield spots in general. I played a lot of first base in high school, and then they moved me to first base when I got here. So um, it doesn't really matter to me in all honesty. But center field this summer was a lot of fun. I just like being out there, having priority over everybody, going to go do whatever I want. I think I'm uh, making play. So you played in the summer down in Florida, and you were all league honors, I believe. In the Cape. In the Cape Cod League, yeah. What was that like going down there, playing baseball with all sorts of other people? Um, it was special. I mean, I used to go to Cape Cod League games growing up. So my grandparents live out there. Um, you know, my grandpa actually told my head coach that I had this past summer when I was like 13. He's like, hey, my grandson's going to come play for you one day. Oh, Just wow. you wait. That's crazy. And sure enough, this past summer, we were able to make it happen. I lived with my grandparents. Um, I got a lot of family in that area. So a lot of them were able to come to the games. We had a family reunion while I was out there, so it was it was special for me just being able to do that for my grandfather, um, who's you know obviously getting older and all these things. It's always his dream for one of his grandchildren to play for the Brewster Whitecaps. That's so. incredible. That's so, that's so nice. Um, so I guess backtracking, we're really going back and forth on. But uh, your freshman year, you come in here, you're ready to play baseball like in a high league at Vanderbilt, and then COVID. What's what was that situation like? How was that handled? How did you feel? Um, obviously, it was abrupt ending because you know we put so much work into getting ready for the season, and I'm pretty sure it was like the Wednesday or Thursday before our first SEC series. Oh, and so our coaches were always telling us about SEC play and how it's different than anything else we've done, like been been through before. And so we're all you know building up for this SEC play, and then having that cut short was you know it was like bitter. I mean, there's no real good way to put it those emotions were just like just felt like a lot of time was taken away from us you know because we put so much work into the fall everything and then something that we couldn't control took away what we had so that was it was frustrating but um being back last year you know made a huge difference in being able to finally play those sec series and do whatever so so there was a couple of times last year where, uh, you know, a lot of media members were talking about like continuity and like kind of youth of this, uh, especially of the defense of, um, of the star baseball team in general. Do you feel like if COVID hadn't cut that short season, 
there would be less questions about the youth and kind of continuity of last year's team specifically? Um, well, I think we were, we were a close group regardless of COVID happening or not. Um, what I learned in the season last year was that teams grow stronger towards the end of the year because you get to know everybody, everybody understands their roles a little bit better. And so I think that's what kind of cut us short with the COVID season was players not being able to you know, fully understand their roles yet. And um, I th we were young last year and we're returning a lot of guys this year on defense and having that extra year, you know, probably would have helped as far as continuity and growth. But um, the way things stand, I think we're in a good position. You know, we're a very close team as it is anyways. So, well, uh, um, I mean, this is sort of a transition of points, I guess we, we are kind of going back and forth. But um, so I feel like everyone kind of considered the strength of like the main strength, not that you guys only had one, but of last year's Vanderbilt team was, uh, you know, starting pitching with Kumar and Jack. And so how does that, you know, obviously you guys have to build an entirely new identity because you have to do that every year. How is that being built this year? You know, we got a lot of really good pitchers with a lot of, you know, superb talent or else they wouldn't really be here. I mean, it's just going to be guys stepping up, guys who um, want those positions, want to fill, you know, fill those spots in the front end of the rotation, people will step up. Um, that's just the way things are. That's how our culture works. Guys usually do step up and come around to realizing, you know, their moment and take the opportunity of it. Um, but we'll probably have a younger staff this year, but I think there won't be, um, I don't want to say a lapse in production, but these guys are going to compete and they're going to show you why they're here. Yeah. Yeah. That next guy up, that'd be really, that's what's up. Um, Speaking of the young youth of the team and, like, thinking of them, the black and gold games was the other weekend. And before we get into it, like, a lot, I have a bit of a grievance. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I said to you, or Rhea told you, I'm going to show up at 4. Right. And you said, that's really early. Show up at 4.30. Right. I show up at 4.30. They're out of jerseys. Oh. I, I didn't get a jersey, Spencer. Um, we didn't start batting practice until, like, 4.30. I, I would think. I would think. Out. I don't know how. I did meet Tristan McKenzie, so, like, you know, guy, it makes right? up for it. Good guy. But, uh, so, you know, but uh, black and gold games, back at it, baseball, once again, after last year's great run, what's that like to come play again for the Hawks? Uh, it's special um, for the players, obviously special for the fans. It gives everybody, like, that first taste of what competition's going to be like in the Hawk again. It kind of, that first night was, how Corp described it, was like a Friday night atmosphere. I mean, there was a lot of people there. There was buzz in the stadium. Um, guys were excited, a lot of good energy. Um, I think it was good for our first-year players to see all that and experience it for the first time before we get into, um, you know, spring ball and once we start working back after New Year's, just so they kind of have that taste and have an image in their mind of what it's like. I think that's what it is more than anything. It was like that first experience for a lot of the younger guys is really big. And then for the other players, it's just, you know, settling back in that routine of, you know, being there, um, playing in front of fans, competing, you know, on like a public stage. Yeah, so it's just a little glimpse of baseball again. That's what's up. So speaking of the younger guys, so like some of the freshmen you got this year, what's it like having freshmen come in now that you're an upperclassman, you know, um, meeting them? Did you know any of them? Like, did you talk to them in the recruiting process? What's it like to get them into the program? So, no, I didn't really know any of the recruits coming in this year. Um, but once fall started, at first it's a little bit awkward, but once they start integrating themselves and showing their personalities a little bit, you know, it's pretty clear that um, we're all pretty similar in a sense. Like, you know, we all have 
similar aspirations and we like to have fun. Kids love to laugh. I mean, the locker room, it's people laughing nonstop, dancing, lots of music, a lot of talking. So everybody gets along pretty well. Uh, it's interesting being that junior um, talking to freshmen because I remember being that freshman at one oh, point yeah. and looking up to these juniors like they had all the answers and all these different things. And for me, it's like I see myself, Corpse kind of describes it as like a big brother role, like in a mentorship role for these younger guys that need help understanding, you know, what the next steps look like, you know, how it takes to uh, have a routine, what it looks like, um, staying consistent, just kind of little things like leading leading others through positive examples and being, you know, being there for them when they need it. Yeah, that's what's up. Uh, one thing you talked about was the locker room laughing stuff. So I got, I was wondering, I might know the answer is that class one. He's cool. Who's the funniest guy on the team? Funniest guy on the team? You can't really put a definite funny guy on the team. We got a lot of characters. I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, TJ McKenzie's hilarious, Javier, um, Parker Nolan, uh, Nick Maldonado, um, some of the freshmen, Rob Gordon, he's hilarious. Uh, Donya Evans, one of the sophomores, is hilarious. Hunter Owens, like team spirit all the way. Yeah. He's unbelievable. He's hilarious. Um, it's just kind of a mix of guys, and it's just a blend of personalities. I wouldn't say there's one definite funny person, but it just the group aspect of it makes it so much fun. Transitioning back, um, who's the best dancer on the team? Javier Vaz, um, without a doubt. <laughs> he was... is an unbelievable dancer. Miles Garrett's great dancer. Um, TJ McKenzie, they got rhythm. Um, on Javi's stories, every once in a while, I would post a little video of him, Parker, and TJ just all dancing. It makes my day. That's hilarious. And Javi does the backflip mm -hmm. in the games. I mean, that's, it's, I see it every time and I'm like, I can't make my body do that. Uh, that's what's up. What other, what other questions might put you like this? Gotta bring another big one. One that I'm thinking of is the thing. Um, oh God. Um, if you, so, you know, pitchers uh, throughout high school, you know, I've heard they don't really hit as much, right? Who has the ugliest swing of pitchers on the team? I haven't really been able to see the pitchers hit too much, but um, from what it looks like, I don't. This can include last year, too. Include last year, too? Yeah. All the pitchers talk about how great of hitters they were in high school, though. So it's like they always talk about their high school stats, but you know, you take it with a grain of salt because they played some small school. Um, pitchers swings. I'll be honest, I haven't seen any of the pitchers swing a bat. We don't we don't do any pitching hit pitchers hitting. There's uh, anybody you would imagine would have an ugly swing. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to Michael Dolan. <laughs> Uh, this is a purely hypothetical question, right? Uh, you know, hypothetical, you know, purely theor in theory. Uh, do y'all take walk-ons? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we do, actually. I think really? there are walk-on tryouts. But, um... Okay, hypothetically, if uh, Chris and I were to play in, like, an intramural league and really just amaze, like, we rake in this intramural league, right? Could we <laughs> be brought onto the team? I'm not sure the process of um, recruiting walk-ons, but um, I think we had a few guys that transferred in from other schools that got in for academics, but the coaches told them, um, told our coaches about 
uh, these players. And then they had open tryouts, a couple catchers, a couple pitchers. But That's what I'm hearing is Coach Corbin doesn't go to the IM games. I don't think he does. Oh, got other things to do. <laughs> Um, it's okay. I I wouldn't be taking any spots on that team anyway. <laughs> so keeping with the superlatives type thing, one thing you mentioned was the, like Big Brother status. Who, uh, through your experience or even on this current team, would you say is like the biggest role model for your team? I think there's the guys. I think there's a lot of role models on our team. Um, obviously. Um, Enrique is a great role model for a lot of the younger players because he had success at an, at an early age. And he's really done a great job of transitioning into a leadership role, of communicating well with the younger players, communicating with the coaches. Um, you know, he's a great role model. I see you know, a lot of values about the way he takes care of business that it's like, you know, you can apply it to your life. You know, it'd be stupid not to be open-minded to learn something from everybody. Um, spent a lot of time with Leiter last year. You know, that man is the definition of consistency. Everything he does, I don't yeah. think there's anything he's bad at, I'll be completely honest. Um, trying to think. My freshman year, I kind of gravitated towards um, some of the sophomores, like Matt Hogan. He, he was a junior last year, just transferred to South Carolina, sadly. But that kid always played hard. He always had passion for what he was doing and loved doing it. So... You know, there's little bits and pieces that you can pick out of everybody, I feel like, and learn a lot about just yourself and applying, you know, their methods to you, seeing what works, what doesn't. So, Fair enough. I think we're running out of time. We only have a few questions left. But uh, one thing that I thought of, uh, you, talk, you mentioned Matt transferring to South Carolina. So are there any teams that you just love to play? I love playing all the SEC teams only because it's one of those things where it's like growing up, I didn't really know much about the SEC. Um, I kind of came to Tennessee and Nashville and Vanderbilt, not really knowing much about the Southeastern Conference. Part of the reason why I wanted to come to Nashville was because I had a feeling I'd never really come down to the South in my life. Being from California, I wanted to try something new. And so anytime we play an SEC team, SEC weekend, everybody's kind of geared up. Like you want to, you want to show it off against the conference. So I love playing SEC teams. I love playing California teams only because I'm from there. Um, Pac-12 teams, that kind of thing. Is there any team specifically probably in the SEC where it's like you go to an away game and they're just like, you know, it's like a really, really like rough crowd. I don't want to say rough as in like, you know, bad people, but like they're like, you know, really passionate about their fan base and they kind of give you guys some trouble for you know being the away team. We kind of bond in those moments of playing – teams that have i wouldn't say difficult crowds but more energetic more crowds that are more into it than other places we really buy into it because it's kind of like that man in the arena mentality it's like us versus them and we all really feed into that energy and um i honestly like going and playing places that are pretty rowdy pretty crowded because it's just a good environment for baseball you know both teams feed off of it and that's when you know the best competition comes out is there any specific examples you can think of from the past i mean from your career if there's any notable ones um i haven't played there but i've seen video of the fans at arkansas they seem very passionate about their fan base texas a&m very passionate um Mississippi State at the Dude, those guys are passionate. We saw them in Omaha, a lot of fans, a lot of energy. Um, I wouldn't say like, you know, they're rowdy and nasty or anything, but it's like, you yeah, know, they're yeah. passionate and they bring a lot of energy to the ballpark is, you know, what we love to see. 
moving on, I guess. I I thought he was going to say Tennessee because, man, that Tennessee crowd a couple games I saw, they're interesting. I also was hoping that he would hate on Tennessee because Chris likes Tennessee. So I was really like, from Knoxville. But um, well, we're bouncing from subject to subject, but who was your favorite baseball player growing up? Um, growing up, when I was little, my favorite player, um, it was Josh Hamilton. But he kind of went through, you know, all those problems where it's kind of weird to say if he's your favorite player. But in his prime, I'd watch that guy. And he was so smooth, you know, hit for power, hit for average, had speed. Mm. He was he was a dude for a couple of years there. Um, when he won the MVP in 2010, I couldn't help but root for him. Like I, I heard his yeah. story and, you know, his comeback and him playing again. Um, it's just sad what happened to him in the future. And then kind of now I really like Christian Yelich because he's yeah. another tall outfielder. A lot of strength. Shelly Otani because he pitches and he hits. Um, Fernando Tatis because I'm from San Diego. Mm, go Padres. That's what's up. Who were you rooting for in the World Series that just concluded last night? I was a Braves fan, to be honest. Yeah. You got Dansby. You got Kyle Wright. You got a couple of Vanderbilt connections there. Um, a lot of kids in the locker room. Huge Atlanta fans. So it's a big win for, I guess, the Southeast, really. Do you still talk to anybody like that? You know, you maybe were at Vanderbilt now in the pros that, you know, try to give you advice as you're, I mean, now you're kind of going through that transition of, you know, starting to think about when, you know, if you're going to put your name back in the draft, I don't know what your plans are, but if you, I assume you want to go back and see if you can play at a higher level. Um, yeah, I mean, I get a lot of advice from Pedro Alvarez. He comes and hangs out. He's doing school right now. So he'll hang around the facility. He actually gave me one of his bats to use really? this summer. And, I, I'll be honest, I, it was like the saddest day of my life when I broke his bat because I used it for about 15, 20 games without breaking it, which is pretty good in yeah. a wood bat league, especially not using a wood bat all season. And then going out there and using his bat was like, I felt like I had magic in my hands, you know? So I was devastated when I broke it. Um, but I actually ran into, into him uh, earlier this week at a Starbucks and we chopped it up a little bit. Seems like he's doing well and he'll be around. Um, spent a lot of time with Lighter. He's in the area. He's doing classes right now. So I'm still able to hang out with him, which is big. But I'm sure the network will only expand as um, as my life progresses and moving away from Vanderbilt. I guess um, we only have, we don't have time like almost at all. So let's end it with kind of a more fun question. Um, if you had to build a five-man starting roster for a basketball team with the current roster, who would be each position? Um. I don't really know basketball positions, but I can give you a starting five. Okay, okay. So we're going to have Thomas Schultz. Guy scored 2,000 points in his high school career in basketball. Really? He's a stud. Um, Got to have Sam Laboki. Guy's a knockdown shooter from what I've seen. Um, we could either have um, – I could see Javier dribbling up the ball, or I could see Calvin Hewitt. He's actually pretty good down there. Um, Dom Keegan, lockdown. And Tate Colwick. Are you, are you putting yourself on the team? I, I'd like to include my teammates before I include myself. I'd say I'm more of an athletic playmaker. I wouldn't really say I fit into any of the roles, just kind of whatever you need me to do. Um, I got some post moves. I'll, you know, rebound, you know, put the ball back up, but I'm not anything. That high effort player. Yeah. yeah. Make athletic plays, right? You get that height on them too. So you're, you're the big guy of the team. So I mentioned I didn't get a jersey. Bummer. But we can make up for it right now because – we have a jersey that we bought for Shumbador, and uh, we were wondering if you would sign this jersey. 
for being on the podcast. You know what I mean? Of course. Awesome. Uh, it's in my bag. I should have got that up first thing, but uh, <laughs> I also have the Sharpie in there. We can edit out this awkward portion of Chris grabbing my my thing. Oh, That's I love fine. it. It's, it's perfect for a college podcast, right? Exactly. Got guys like us saying whatever we just said. But, um... <laughs> oh, yeah. We got a good one. We've talked about this in class, but for the podcast, what's your favorite of your uniforms? I really like the white uniform. Mm-hmm. They're crispy. There it is. You know? Um, we feel good because we're playing at home. We're wearing our whites. Um, everything matches up really well. Our colors look good. So, yeah. I mean, that's my personal favorite. You know, can't hate on the black pinstripes or the green ones or the creams or our black tops or our gold tops. I mean, all of them. So are every nice. single uniform, the grays, never wear the grays. I love the grays. But they're nicely. They're nicely. You haven't worn the grays in what, like two years? We actually wore them for one at home midweek last year. Really? It was just a random midweek. We wore our gray jerseys. Dang. Because coach says you're losing them, doesn't he? Yeah. Which I don't is like just about that. They're nice looking jerseys man um take your time there chris we got we got all day <laughs> oh goodness so uh i guess we're from back right yeah i suppose so all right so There we go, boys. Writing on a jersey is tough. It's hard it is, to do. It is tough. Um, but there you have it, Spencer Jones. Thank you very much for your time, man. I appreciate you coming out here. Yeah, thanks for having to me. Us. <laughs> it's been good. Uh, tune in for our regularly scheduled program coming out probably tomorrow. So thanks. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.